I've been starting the Ransomed Heart podcast off and on through the fall with a new opening that goes like this. This is a gnarly time on the earth to be a human being uh, for all sorts of reasons. The pace of life, the tsunami of technology, the assault on your attention, and then frankly just the heartbreak of the world around us, the tragedy of every community delivered into our mobile devices every day, and and then the evil raging in the world. This is just a really hard time to be a human being, and God cares about your humanity. And maturity is not an option. (laughs) Wholeheartedness is not an option. They are your rescue. They are our safe place. So welcome back, friends, to part four in a conversation on prayer, which seems really appropriate to my introduction. And it's uh, the second half of a conversation with Bart and Alex on our team here, um, just kind of riffing on prayer in our lives and what was our story with prayer and when did it get some traction and what we find ourselves praying these days. And we left last time with a Kind of the mother of all prayer questions, really, is what is prayer? Like, how does it work? Why does God insist on involving us? Yeah. You know, because Jesus said, your Heavenly Father knows what you need before you ask. So there's a great deal of passivity, actually, in large sections of Christendom that say, right, so why bother asking? I mean, God knows your needs. He's either going to do it or he's not. Mm -hmm. Or prayer is only asking. Prayer is, you know, here's my request, here's my need, and then we sit back and wait and see whether God chooses to do anything about it or not. And that is a crippling view of prayer, by the way. Mm -hmm. And over time, that will erode your confidence in the goodness of God. Most people's faith crises actually center around prayer. And, you know, my daughter was sick, and we prayed, and he didn't answer, or... You know, my mother had cancer and just C.S. Lewis's story with prayer, you know, and prayed and God didn't seem to answer and so chose not to believe in God as a child. You know, this is a very tender and we are at the epicenter of a very critical issue around prayer where most people, if they hit a faith crisis or a sense of betrayal by God, I bet it's around this eight times out of ten. It's something to do with a crisis right. yeah. in prayer, right? So what Alex had asked was, why does it seem that God insists as we mature in involving us in prayer, maturing us in prayer, and, and even using the authority of Jesus in prayer? Like, I give you my authority. Yeah. Right? Was, was that it? Was that- yeah, yeah. I mean, I think when I asked the question, we were on that piece on kind of what we're doing right now in terms of invoking love and, and commanding love in our worlds. And, and so That's right. I know some of the answers, but I'd love to hear you riff a little bit on it mm. is why does God do it that way? Mm. Why does he have us? Because he could, he could just take care of it. Like, and he could, yes. we could stop at that piece of, you know, okay, God, take care of this hatred in my yes. life. Get rid of it. Yes, Help please, me. Yeah, please deal with this. Yeah, and he could mm-hmm. if he wanted to, like, yeah. 
quite simply. Yeah. So why does why does he involve mm-hmm. us? What's the purpose of us being involved and mm-hmm. being given authority? And it, I guess it was a very new category to me when I mm-hmm. when I learned to begin to pray that way. And yes. and I I had never heard that before in my yes. years of Christendom yes. until I came here. Well, the big idea and is prayer is not just asking God to do something and waiting to see whether he does it. Prayer is a kind of partnership with God yeah. where he has shared his authority with us. Jesus yes. says, I have given you authority now. Uh, Ephesians 2, 6, you have been raised with Christ and seated with him at the right hand of the Father. So you share in mm-hmm. the authority of Jesus. And in order to explain kind of why and how that works, just think about you're both dads and you raise kids. Mm-hmm. How, how do you raise a child to adulthood, what is the essential trajectory there? What's the arc from yeah. super needy child to <laughs> yeah. functional adult? Yeah. Well, I mean, we're dealing with it right now. Like it's it's this balancing act of doing some things for them and at times going, okay, now it's your turn. Now you get to learn. Now you get to grow up a little and have a little more responsibility and and take on these things cuz at some point they are going to be out on their own but that doesn't match with my, like my my knowledge of of god i'm always going to have yes. have god um or at least he promises to always be with me christ lives in me mm-hmm. right and so why make me, in some respects, do it on my own? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when our kids were young, we literally chose what they wore, what they ate, yep. how they spent their time. But you do not want your 37-year-old son or daughter <laughs> asking you what color socks to put on in the morning. Right. Yeah. And you do not want to be spoon-feeding them, right? You want strong, healthy, robust Adults, right, who are able to function. So does God. So does God. Because our destiny, when Revelation describes the coming kingdom, it says, and of the saints, and they will reign with Mm. him. Mm -hmm. And it actually says we will reign with him on the earth. That's about the restoration of all things, and we won't riff on that right now. But Dallas Willard's expression was, we are in training for reigning. God is Mm. maturing us to Mm. the place where as mature sons and daughters, we are actually his partners in the kingdom project. And right now, the kingdom project on the earth involves a great deal of battle because it is opposed. It involves a great deal of restoration. It involves, let's call it, serious intervention. There's this phenomenal story told in Acts. When Peter's imprisoned, James is arrested by Herod, and he is executed. Scripture says in Acts, it says, Herod saw that it pleased the people so much, he also had Peter arrested. So you know it's about to happen to Peter. Peter doesn't die. Peter gets sprung from jail. And the narrative gets very specific here. And it says, but the church was praying earnestly for him. Mm. The adjective there for earnestly is the same one used for Jesus's prayers in the Garden of Gethsemane. Mm. Okay, we are talking serious prayer. We're talking go for it prayer. 
So here you have the young church intervening for the rescue of Peter through prayer. They didn't just say, oh, Father, rescue him, and then go have dinner, you know, with that view of prayer of, well, God's either going to do it or he's not, so I'll ask, and then it's like, no, we have a role to play. We actually have a rather large role to play in this. So God is maturing us as sons and daughters. He gives us his authority. He puts us into situations very much like your life right now, right. Yeah. where there's a lot of intervention that's needed. Yeah. For a child or a parent or a relationship or a job. And he wants us to learn the ways of the kingdom. He wants us to learn, for example, the power of enforcing love in our kingdom. It's not passive. We're learning to rule a kingdom. And we're saying, God, you have given me a realm. Everybody has a kingdom. You have some place. It might be your apartment, your job your health, the things that are under your jurisdiction, that when you say, this is what happens here, it happens here. Your money is in your kingdom. You are the one that chooses where it goes, right? Your free time is in your kingdom because you choose where it goes. And God is teaching us in these smaller kingdoms how to reign for our coming role, by the way, which will be quite expansive, by learning how to, for example, banish darkness. Okay, there's a, there's a famous story told by, about Catherine of Siena, and she was being assaulted by a foul spirit repeatedly. And she asked Jesus, Jesus, please take this away. And Jesus said to her, no, you do it. Now, he's not being unkind. Right. He is growing her up. Yes. And so yeah. in the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ given to me by the power of his victory in the cross— I banish this dark spirit. It might be fear. It might be lust. It might be hatred. You know, whatever is coming against you, learning how to do that is maturing us in the ways of the kingdom and and teaching us how to reign. And, I mean, what a difference it's made in your lives. Yes. Yeah. John, just as you Talk about that. I, I, I think, um, I mean, my own metaphor for that is um, that as we armor up, talks about putting on the full armor of God, I, I really believe that part of that armor is that prayer that is not crying out for mercy, you know, like, like Psalms 6, 9 says, the Lord has heard my cry for mercy, and the Lord accepts my prayers. Yes. That's one part of prayer. And it is a beautiful yes, form of it, prayer. It yeah. is. But there's, there's this other category that he gives us the authority. And I like to think of it as in a war, you can be defensive or you can be offensive. And that's the offensive thing that he gives us. He gives us that authority to invoke whatever it is that we need to invoke the power of God, his love, and, and that seems to be the most powerful force in the universe mm-hmm. is his love. And um, so I, I look at it as kind of playing offense and defense mm-hmm. in prayer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Does I that mean, make sense? Yes, it does. Because um, I'm just thinking now, of course, of the Lord's Prayer. We start with worship, hallowed be thy name, yeah. right. right? And then we go into invoking. Yes. Your kingdom, kingdom come. come. Yes. Mm. Your, Your will, will be, be done, done. Yeah. on earth as it is in heaven. And that would be a very silly thing to teach people to pray 
if the will of God is always done on earth as it is done in heaven. Right. It's not. Right. And we have a role in, in making it so. So simply enforcing the kingdom of God. I invoke the kingdom of God. Your kingdom come in my home, mm. my job, in this current relational crisis or in this illness. or Like it's a wonderful thing. It's a very yeah. exciting prayer tutorial. There's two things I love in that, John. And the first thing, just that picture of there's a foreshadowing of what's to come, Mm. the ruling and the reigning that we'll do in the kingdom with God that's promised. And so when I'm enforcing love in my kingdom, even just to recognize I'm learning, I'm being initiated, I'm, this is, um, training for what's to come. That's a really really cool thought. And I think the second thing that I love that it does is it it increases my intimacy with God. Like the fact that he gives me the dignity of enforcing love in my kingdom or whatever it is I'm called to command and bring in and pray for. It's it's an intimacy builder. It increases my relationship Mm. with God. Mm. If you will adopt this worldview, otherwise you feel forsaken. Right. Right. Otherwise, the crisis in faith. Like mm-hmm. if we don't, if we don't understand, accept, cooperate with the maturing process that he is deeply committed to, and we insist on no, just do it, God, and he doesn't do it, we feel very, very abandoned. Right. Right. And right now, right now, this week. Stacy and I are really pressing into some things that are very important to us where prayer does not seem to be working. Details aside, the issue is we are praying and it doesn't seem to be working. Hmm. And the temptation, the pull immediately is to go to, come on, God, what the heck? Yes. Like, we're going at it. We're, we're doing our part. Do your part. Yes. It's really easy to feel forsaken, isn't it? Oh, yes. It? No, no kidding, John. I mean, I'm, you know, there's been a couple of three times in my life where God in my prayer life has given me fleeces for places that I want to go that I'm yes. praying. One of them was being called a ransomed heart. And God met four very distinctive fleeces before I came. And I came and it just seemed like, okay, God really answered that prayer. Okay, so... Our move from California to Colorado, he gives me very specific fleeces. He meets all of those fleeces. Criteria, things you put out there. Help yes. me sell my house, because yes. people might not right. understand right. what you yeah. mean by that. Help me sell my house. Um, Make sure Tana's on yeah, the same page. Tana's on the same page. We those both things. have a buy-in. Yes. We, deep roots and all our spiritual life out there, and to let that go and so forth. And he does all of that. And then, and then we come back here. And we just get blindsided, and it's really easy to see we're just we're in a in a very, very difficult time of our life, and it's easy to look back on those fleeces and say, "God, we, we thought you were in that, yes, but it doesn't appear that you are, but I think that's that's when we have to pull up, I think, that offensive weapon to invoke the love of God into our lives, into our marriage, into everything that's here, because God has 
He's very intentional. His timing is not always ours, and that's I've learned that in my prayer life is is when I pray for things, it's oftentimes um, on God's timing and 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 not mine. But and I think that's he has some things that he wants to surface as to again the what he's doing. Yes. We're not asking why. Yes. Why God? Why are you doing this? But what? Yes. What is it that you're surfacing yes. that you want to address? Yes. Yeah. So without getting into the details, you guys moved to Colorado, and all hell breaks loose. Yes. And there were relational things in your, in your personal world, and there were health issues. Yes. And there, were, there was just a variety of stuff. All kinds of things. It felt like a perfect storm. Yes. But you knew God brought you here. Hmm. And so instead of going to abandonment yes. and betrayal— you know, Jeremiah, I appreciate his honesty, right? Yeah. Jeremiah says, you tricked me. Yes. <laughs> you tricked me. I would never have signed up for this. If You know, that's okay. <laughs> the Psalms have that language too. Jesus on the cross, right? Why have you forsaken me? Yes. It's okay to cry out yeah. in the yes. night like that. And yeah. we have. Okay. Yes. But you are also embracing the maturity model to say, God, you are growing us up. So what are you teaching us? What are you addressing in our lives? That's where Stacy and I are shifting now. These prayers on this particular thing, it don't seem to be working. And I, I really want to go to, I want to pout. Yeah. I'm mad. <laughs> right. I'm hurt. Right. Come on. This matters to me. This is big. Where are you? Okay. That's honest. That's okay. Those emotions are there. But rather than quitting, what I'm asking now is, okay, what are you trying to teach us? Yes. How should I shift my prayers? Show us what to pray, right? And that's the disciples, right? Before the Lord's Prayer, they said, teach us to pray. They, yes. they looked at Jesus' prayer life, and they're like, holy mm. cow, man, like, mm. you're great at this, you know? Yep. They, you know, they didn't know the full you know, thing about the incarnation quite yet, but this man is remarkable, and his prayers get things done. Show us, teach us. And I think if I could throw in a little shout-out, probably the single— most important shift in my prayer life has been this. Jesus, what do I pray? Yeah, right. Yeah. What do I pray? When I, when I come into a situation, it's so easy to just begin praying mm-hmm. immediately out of emotion yes. or out of empathy. You know, this is what I want for that couple or this is what I want for my neighbor or, you know. But to just pause for a moment and say, Jesus, how do we pray? What do we pray right now? And it's how we learned a couple of really critical prayers right now are ransomed heart. It's when he revealed this hatred thing raging on the earth. He says, command my love. Yeah. Command my love against it. Bring the force of my love against this hatred. And it's been very relieving. Yes. And there's this death thing raging on the earth that we've described in other places. And we've asked, how do we pray about that? And he says, invoke my life. Invoke the river of life, the, the very being of God that flows from the throne of God. Bring the river of life against it. And that's been very relieving. Mm-hmm. So we've grown over the years and learned a great deal about prayer by just asking. Yes. John, I think that just that whole thing of asking how we do pray, I mean, I know that's been very pivotal in uh, as, we, as we meet and, and seek God as to where he's going to take ransom heart in the next season mm-hmm. or, or about issues that we have. Mm-hmm. And that's really helped me a lot, just the, the fact that you know, I want to just go in and just start praying uh, about the answers that that are, you know, bouncing around in my head, rather than stopping and asking, "How do we pray?" That mm-hmm. that's that that's that kind of pause, pause, yes. yes. And Jesus, 
Yes. Tell us, how do we pray rather than, rather than bringing our own stuff? Because it cultivates yes. the intimacy yes. that right. Alex was talking about. Yeah. Right. Right? You were, you were saying, no, I kind of like, like the fact that I have to enforce in my kingdom because right. mm-hmm. it's growing my intimacy with God. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, it's just a huge category to add to this whole thing is listening prayer. Mm-hmm. Like it's a big piece. And it's also another piece that, that a lot of people don't have a category for. Mm-hmm. I didn't have a category for it. And I think like you're saying, that's, that's been one of the biggest intimacy drivers in my relationship with God has, has been learning to, as you're saying, Bart, take those pauses and say, okay, God, what, like, what are you saying about this? Mm. How do you want me to pray about this? And also just that whole category you're saying, John, of when your prayers don't work or it seems that they're not working, you know, we can make all kinds of agreements about that. But oh, if we can learn the practice of stopping and saying, okay, well, Maybe I'm not asking the right question. Maybe I'm not praying about the right thing. Mm -hmm. And so, God, what would you like me to pray? Mm -hmm. What's in the way, maybe? Or what do you want me to be asking about? Mm. That's been such a game changer in my prayer life and a lot of the folks here I know. It's huge. Conversational relationship where we are asking I realized that for years what I, w- what I was taught, and I was taught by really good people, but it was mostly one-sided, mm-hmm. come, pray, leave, without letting there be some silence to allow God to speak. Yeah. What are you saying about this, Father? What are you instructing me to do, Jesus? Holy Spirit, what's your counsel or your comfort or your provision or just your word to me today? Mm -hmm. Sometimes just a word from God can rescue your day and just be so orienting and, and gracious. Listening prayer, huge. So, my goodness, we could do a 12-part series on, <laughs> on listening prayer alone. Yes. It's so beautiful. And, and like all these other things, it, it's a maturity project, okay? Mm-hmm. It's a gnarly time to be a human being. Your humanity matters, but maturity is not an option. God is committed to our maturing. And, and prayer is like anything else. It's like learning to ride a bike or play an instrument, or, you know, it's a little awkward at first, and it's bumpy, and you fall down, and, you know, if, you're, if it's an instrument metaphor, you squawk and yeah. hit the wrong keys, and <laughs> doesn't sound elegant, and it's not amazing, but we grow, and we learn. It's like learning to drive a car, anything else in life that you enjoy, you had to mature in. Mm-hmm. You know, friendship, you had to mature in, and, and the sports that you love, you had to mature in, all of it, okay? So prayer is the same thing, part particularly listening prayer, like learning that. What's been helpful in that particular form of prayer? Yeah, John, um, pretty recent story for me. So I I had a knee that was, uh, had a torn cartilage in it, need to go get that repaired. So went and uh, went to a friend who who is an orthopedic and and he, he performed the procedure on me and I had to go out, go under anesthesia. When I woke up, they said, hey, your L all went fine, the knee went fine, but, 
but your heart's in AFib, and I don't think you need to fly for a while. I'm going to ground you. And so, boy, the warfare of that, I mean, you guys know how much a passion of flying is in me. And so the warfare of that was just horrendous. And I, I said, well, maybe my, my flying days are over. And the enemy just kind of took me down in that. And so I uh, got released out of the hospital, went, and I had a chance to spend a couple of hours alone with God. And I, I said, so God, what are you up to? Mm. What are you up to? And I remember hearing very specifically, he said, surrender. Mm. Surrender. Surrender that love to me. Flying. Flying. The love of flying to me. And it took me two hours to, to do that. Mm. I, I, just, mm. I just said, is this really God? Is, is this over? Is my passion over? And I mean, you know, just the dream of my son and me flying, coming back from the military, we've spent five years building this experimental plane that we were planning on doing together. I mean, all of this is coming together. My dream is just, I'm right on the edge of, of this great dream of sharing this passion with my son. And then this happens, and God says, give me that. Surrender mm-hmm. that to mm-hmm. me. So I did, and uh, it was like it was like just something came over me, and my, my heart was in a really good place. Then, John, you called me. You called me right after that. You said, hey, Bart, what's going on? I, I, I heard something's going on, so I kind of took you through the story. And you said, Hey, your heart's in a your heart is really in a good spot for where you are, Bart. That's that's a pretty profound thing of what mm, you just mm. surrendered. I said, yeah, but but I you know I I feel good about that. And so we finished the conversation. Then uh, then a cardiologist calls and says, Hey, I think I think this is not going to be a problem with your flying. So to surrender that, to put myself in a place of that, but hearing the voice of God of saying something so dear and so close to me. But I remember asking him specifically, what is it that you're surfacing here? And what he was getting at was, I want you to give this to me. Mm-hmm. You know, the whole concept of giving life up to get it back. Mm-hmm. I just really feel what God was up to is, I want your relationship with me first. Yeah. And that was a hard thing to hear, but I heard it very specifically. Yeah. Yep. Alex, what's helped you in listening prayer? Yeah. The thing that's probably helped the most is is doing it in in relationship and community. Mm. And certainly we do that a lot here at at RH. We'll we'll sit down and if we're faced with a decision point or, you know, some planning for things, we'll we'll start there. We'll start with Jesus. What are you saying about this? Where are we headed? And and so a couple of things that have been helpful in that is one, taking the risk. So when I first started doing listening prayer, it felt really risky. It is risky. It felt like I'm gonna be wrong and I'm gonna look like a fool. I'm and not gonna did hear. I really hear yep. and all of that. And so I, I literally had to make a decision an act of the will to go i'm gonna i'm gonna ignore all that all that that's chirping in my head and i'm gonna listen and if i hear something i'm gonna share it and i'm gonna see what happens and 
the number of times that then I would share something and it'd be like, Alan heard the same thing and Brad heard the same thing. Yeah. And I was like, oh my gosh, I just heard from God. <laughs> yeah. Like, yes. and that, and that was like, it was fortifying. It was confidence building. It was maturing. Right. It really is. And, um, and I've done the same thing here and there within my family, with Mel and the kids, where we practice this a little bit as a family. We're, we're doing more and more with our kids. And so there have been places where, you know, they're not, they're not huge questions. They're like, where, where do you want us to go on vacation or things like that? But one that stands out, we were, we were looking at moving and building a new home. And so we asked God as a family, when should we do that? When do you want us to do that? And we all listened and we were hearing, oh, we were hearing, I think it was spring or summer. I'm, t- I'm even trying to remember now mm-hmm. what it was, but most of us heard that. And Eli, our oldest, saw a picture and he saw leaves that were like brilliant red, like fall, what you would yes. think is fall colors. Yep. So it was like, oh, we're, you know, we're all here in summer, but it sounds like you're kind of here in fall because of the picture you got. What does that mean? And we we laid it aside. We had a sense that it was this, I think it was kind of end of spring, beginning of summer that we had heard And we went with that. Well, the fascinating thing was the tree out front at the beginning of the season when we sold it was this brilliant red. And I had totally forgotten that it turns a brilliant red during that season. And so it was so fun to come back to Eli and go, you heard from God. Like, look at that. You You were right on. Yeah. And so just taking the risk and like, I think holding it a little bit loosely too, like given that moment, not trying to figure that out, but let God play it out. Yeah. The single most helpful thing in learning to hear the voice of God is surrender. Mm. Surrender the pressure to hear right now. Yep. Give it some time, right? Give it some breathing room. Surrender your agenda, Mm -hmm. right? We have to do that. We have to, you know, I want to buy the motorcycle. Are you willing not to? Right. Because Mm -hmm. otherwise you're not going to hear from God. Exactly. Or you won't trust it when he says yes. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Right. You go, oh, that's just me. You know, that's me. I I can't hear. So it's the beauty of surrender to hear, the beauty of giving it some space, the beauty of doing it together. Yeah. So much easier to hear for other Mm -hmm. people than it is to hear for yourself. Right. So to kind of learn it, practice it and family or in a community or in a Bible study or friends, you know, it's been huge for us. And if you were to step into any significant meeting at Ransomed Heart, any, you will hear listening prayer. At some point in the meeting, somebody goes, well, let's ask. You know, we'll debate it. We'll talk it through. We'll go, well, you know, it seems like the right time of year to do that. Or yeah, let's spend tens and thousands of dollars on this app that we built, you know, (laughs) as a pure gift. It's a very expensive thing to build an app, and, but we put a lot of prayer into it, and I really wanted to do it. <laughs> but I had to surrender that yes, and, and say, I'm willing for you to say, no, God, I really am. 
And you hear the maturing process in this, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like your story is a story of maturing. Will you let that go? Mm-hmm. And we did build the app, and we're going to give that another shout out here today because you can get on the App Store right now, folks, for absolutely free, Android, iPhone. It's called The One Minute Pause by Ransomed Heart, and it is, it is this wonderful experience. You can set, like, notifications, remind me, either by location or by time. You know, remind me when I pull into my driveway, you know, at 7 p.m., I know I need this pause. Or at 2 p.m. when I'm usually spun up. Mm-hmm. By 2 p.m., I'm a wreck. Remind me to pause. And it'll, it'll come on your phone, remind you, and then it'll guide you through this beautiful, reflective, prayerful experience of releasing everything to Jesus, receiving union with him, receiving his life again. It's wonderful, gang. And it's our, you know, kind of our present to everybody. We, ju- we just want you to enjoy it. We want your soul to be strengthened mm-hmm. by it. There's no strings attached to that. And uh, you probably never heard me except for last week. We, we, just, we don't ask for money, but we are a crowdfunded organization. We are a supporter-driven mission here. And we don't panic and we don't raise crises and you know, we don't plead for money with our friends and our followers. We just make the need known and here at the end of the year, this is when about 50%, I think, Bart? Yes, of, right. Of a our big, in- big significant part of our giving comes into the last month. Like literally the, the last yes. like four weeks of the year. <laughs> it's always a photo finish. Too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and we're praying yes, and trusting we are. God and the, and the beautiful thing. Ransom Heart turns 20 mm-hmm. uh, yes. this month, gang. So that's fun. <laughs> and all of these 20 years, every single time, it comes through, we get just exactly what we need. We're not flush and we're not in debt. Like we just get exactly what we need. So friends, if you love what we do and you want to help it grow uh, to other hearts and lives around the world, we'd love to have your help. You can get on our website at ransomedheart.com and, and make a contribution here towards the end of the year. But regardless of that, please go get the app. Yes. Please go get that yes. and give it a try for a couple weeks and see see what it does for you. It'll change your life. It will. It really will. It's wonderful. So thanks for listening. It's uh, been a conversation here with Bart and Alex and John at Ransomed Heart. <laughs>